Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. Now that we know that all things work together for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose, this is what we read in Romans 8, 30, that he has predestined us to be conformed to the image of his Son, and that he has called us, justified us, and glorified us. Verse 31 now says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. That's from Psalm 44 verse 22. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. If God be for us, who can be against us? Isn't that the most encouraging truth you've ever heard? I mean, if it isn't, I, 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 I encourage you to be encouraged by this word. If God be for us, who can be against us? Since God didn't spare Jesus for our sake, there's nothing good he will withhold from us. He's given us the ultimate good. He's given us Jesus. So there's nothing good that he will withhold from us. And since God has justified us legally, there is no accusation of the world, your own flesh, or the devil that can condemn you, that can find you guilty. Jesus, our advocate, continues to intercede for us. And so we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And here's the very important foundational truth. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. The love of God is what makes all of this possible. Our adoption as his children, the abundant provisions, the calling and purpose for our lives, justification, sanctification, glorification, all of it because he loves us so much. It's because we need to grasp this incredible love of God for us that Paul makes a list of everything that cannot separate us from the love of God. Ultimately, it is the love of God that defines how we live according to the Spirit. And so, which means that we need to choose to live in the love of God. The phrase, the love of God, that includes both the love of God for us and our love for God. Right? And because of our love for God, as Jesus made it very clear when he spoke about or responded to the question of what is the greatest commandment, because of our love for God, 
we love others. We are loving our neighbor. We are loving the people. And so this phrase, this love of God, includes both the love of God for us and our love for God and therefore for people. And so as much as we experience the general love of God for all humanity, God loves all people, and as much as we experience that general love of God for all humanity, we have to make a conscious decision to comprehend, to attempt to comprehend his specific love for us as his children. So it's not just a general, but it's a very specific love. And then we talked about that last week, the benefits of this adoption as children of God, what that means for us. So we need to grasp and say, what is the specific love of God for us as his children? And as we have seen already, general revelation in creation, in our consciences, and in the testimony of others provides a measure of the understanding of the love of God. But it is God's special revelation, not just his general revelation, but his special revelation, particularly in the word of God, in the Bible, that provides a fuller understanding of the love of God. And I encourage you, get a concordance and read or look up verses that speak about the love of God and what the love of God means. Look it up. I mean, it's just glorious. The Bible is filled with these references about the love of God. And I want to highlight just a few of those significant attributes of God's love that emerges from these verses in the, in the Bible. The love of God is sacrificial. The love of God is unconditional. Now, when, you, when I make those two statements, I don't even have to elaborate on them. You know what I'm speaking about with referred to that and even this morning we've said Jesus himself given for us in the most unconditional and sacrificial way. The love of God is unlimited. It doesn't mean that if I receive the love of God there's something less for you. The unlimited love of God and he's able to pour out that love and lavish that love without limit. Right? And the love of God is eternal. Before even the creation of the world the Lord loved us and prepared put in place a plan for our salvation. And now, even through eternity to come, we will be in the presence of the Lord and loved by Him. How much more do we experience all of that even now? And we see that and we say, Oh God, the love of God is eternal. And the love of God covers over a multitude of sins. These are some of the most significant attributes, but in light, it is in light of these attributes of God's love for us that we're even able to consider our love for God and therefore our love for others. So I want you to keep these attributes of God's love front and center, even as you read a passage like 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 to 7. We think of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 as the love chapter, but when you read those verses, keep these attributes of God in mind, because when 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 7, it states, our love for others is to be patient, kind, without envy, not boastful, not proud, not dishonoring others, not self-seeking, not easily angered, keeping no record of wrongs, not delighting in evil, but rejoicing with the truth, always protective, always trusting, always hoping, always persevering. Those attributes are made, you can make sense of them because you see the attributes of God's love, right? And you understand God's love for us. If the love of God is not all that it is, and if that love of God had not been poured out lavishly on us, we would not even be able to truly love God and others. Why? We would hold back. We would put limits and conditions on our love. 
we would love only for a limited period of time. And although in and of ourselves we are not able to love like God loves, not only do we not do that, we still expect ourselves and others to love sacrificially, unconditionally, without limit, always, and to overlook mistakes. The only way you can do that is if you're experiencing the love of God. We expect that kind of love from others, right? We say, how come this person is not loving me unconditionally? But that's possible only if we experience God's love. That's possible only if we understand that attribute of God. And when we don't love that way, when we or others don't live up to our expectations, we get upset. We get, we feel like it, you know, we feel guilty if we don't measure up in that way. We feel that, you know, condemnation, self-condemnation or so on. And quite importantly, when we don't experience this love relationship and we're not living and moving in that way and we have these missed expectations, it opens the door for accusation. The devil, others, the world, oh, you call yourself a Christian, but you can't love. You call yourself, a, you know, whatever, but look, look at this, you know, this is so unloving. And there's accusation that, that can come in. Right? There's isolation. You say, oh, I'm not capable of loving anybody. You know, I, I just, you know, I'm not a lovable person and I can't love anybody. You know, and you start to isolate. You start to cut yourself off from people in that genuine, true relationship. Why? Because it hurts. Because there's all sorts of stuff. People don't live up to your expectations. It's messy. Life is messy. And it opens the door for manipulation. Because now you're manipulating something in order to get love. And you're trying to make it happen in some way. Right? And so all of these expectations and these things happen, which means that we have to deliberately and continually remind ourselves of the love of God and choose to live according to that love of God. It's a deliberate choice to say, you know what, when all these things are happening and all these things are going on, I need to choose to understand the love of God and live in that love. So living according to the Spirit is choosing to live according to the love of God. Now, if, all, if, if that was all there was to life, if all we had to do was comprehend and then apprehend God's love for us and live in his love by his power, we could be happy and fulfilled every day of our lives as a Christian. But here's our present reality. There is always something trying to separate us from the love of God. That's what Paul says. Paul lists present Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sore, the shadow of death, a hard life, demons, an uncertain and foreboding future, and powers of every kind that try to separate us from the love of God by affecting our thinking and therefore our actions. There's always something trying to separate us from the love of God. In other words, almost everything in our human experience and in the spiritual realm that is not of God is actively trying to separate us from the love of God by the degradation of our minds. That's what's going on. Which is why we find it difficult sometimes to love the very people we know we should be loving. We know we should be loving to them or we should be you know, receiving love, whatever. But we find it difficult. Why? Because there's an active work of all sorts of factors that are trying to separate you from the love of God. The world is not looking at you and saying, oh, you know, let me encourage you to live according to the love of God. 
Right? And so when we know that, when we see that, it is why, this is why we find it difficult to live according to the love of God. There's always something in us and around us that keeps us from loving God and loving others, which is why it becomes very critical for us to always keep coming back. This is our present reality. All these things are there. But we want to keep coming back to an additional, to a critical truth about our present reality. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. There's everything that is trying to separate you from the love of God, but there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. We forget that. We think we are separated from the love of God. That's what leads us astray. But the Bible is saying, and Paul is convinced, he is doubly sure that in spite of everything that is trying to separate us, none of those things can separate us. And he says, look, this is more powerful. This is more glorious. There is they, they, all those other things of the world and the, the things of the human realm and spiritual realm and everything else, they are not more powerful than God. We tend to give up too easily when we decide that someone is unlovable or that we ourselves will never change. Instead of succumbing to the pressures and attacks in the battlefields of our minds, to give up or to not even consider the love of God, we are, by the power of the Holy Spirit, transformed by the renewing of our minds into the image of a God who has loved us sacrificially, unconditionally, limitlessly, and eternally. That's our reality. That's what we've got to completely come back to and remind one another off. Which means that when we respond to this word and we apply this word, living according to the Spirit, when we recognize that living according to the Spirit is living according to the love of God, in addition to receiving the salvation and adoption of God through the Spirit, in addition to receiving the knowledge of God through the Spirit, in addition to receiving the gifts of the Spirit for the glory of God and the common good, in addition to having the Spirit transform us by the renewing of our minds so that we set our mind on what the Spirit desires, let us pray that we receive and manifest the love of God. This is the biggest challenge. This is the strongest statement. When the Bible speaks about believers, it says they will know that you are Christians, that you are in a community, that you are in the family of God, that you are adopted in, with God. They will know that by your love. Not by your gifts, not by your singing, not by your other things, not by all your preaching, none of that. They will know that you are Christians by your love. This becomes the greatest challenge and the greatest call in our lives and what Paul is emphasizing in this passage is when the world and everything around us tries to separate us from the love of God these things are actively engaged to try to separate you from the love of God don't be surprised by it don't be surprised that you find it difficult to love don't be surprised that somebody's doing something to hurt you don't be surprised that you loved and no one reciprocated don't be surprised by it because everything around you is trying to separate you from the love of God. In the middle of all of that, oh, what a glorious truth. What a glorious truth.
that nothing can separate you from the love of God. That the Lord loved us so much that he gave, that he gave, that he gave, that he gave. And because he gave and he continues to give and he will always give and because he will continue to love and because he will continue to do these things in our lives, we can say, oh God, I want to receive that love. I want to comprehend this love of God and I want to receive that love of God and I want to show and share that love of God. Oh, if all of us are living in that way, what a difference that would make in our lives individually, in our families, in our church in the body of Christ, in the world. What a difference it would make if we lived according to these specific truths. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that, Lord, you are good to us, that you give us your word, that you, Lord, show us that ultimately living according to the Spirit, setting our minds on what you would desire, is to live according to love. And I thank you, Lord, that you didn't just give us that statement. You didn't just give us 1 Corinthians 13 and then say, well, figure it out. You demonstrated your love for us. You showed us what love, love really is. Lord, you lived it out. And you didn't just do that from heaven on high. But, Lord, you came into this earth as a man. And you walked amongst people who did not love you. Who, Lord, received your love and your care and your everything that you gave. And yet turned around and crucified you, Lord, you demonstrated so wonderfully for us what it means to know the love of God. Lord, let us not be those that would simply receive but not give. Let this love of God that has been lavishly poured out on us, that overflows now in our lives, Lord, now be shed abroad to those around us. Lord, in our own households, with our spouses and our children. Lord, with our uh, extended family members. Lord, with the members of the body of Christ, with our church. Lord, with the people around us, our neighbors and others. Let the love of God be manifest, Lord. Father, we thank you. We thank you that when we see things happen around us, when things distress us, when things alarm us, when they affect our thinking, we are able to remember, we are able to remind ourselves that nothing, nothing, no demons, no powers, no principalities, not, not famine, not, not our physical needs, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Thank you, Lord, that that is where we are. That is who we are. That is who you are. Oh, Lord God, we praise you. We worship you. We glorify you. Through the rest of this day, this week, Lord, for our days, help us to live according to the Spirit by living according to the love of God. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.